What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another Angle of Pursuit podcast, your fantasy football, sports betting, and NASCAR home here at FakePigskin.com. I'm your host, Kyle Robert. You follow me on Twitter at NotoriousKRO. Uh, with me once again, it's Brian Twining. What's up, Brian? What's up, Kyle? I am very excited to talk the the way that we draft pretty much every year, zero RB. Yes, sir. I love rating on those running backs. And as Brian mentioned, we're talking zero RB and uh, specifically targets uh, in a zero RB draft. And I know some people may not want to be doing this kind of draft, and I totally get it. That's not comfortable for you. Um, go ahead. But it's a it's a style that I've had success with that I feel like works well, um, especially because the running back position is so volatile. Uh, injuries hit the top guys every single year. And I know you can say, well, receivers get hurt too. And yeah, they do get hurt, but at a much less, um, much, you know, less, less injury risk, uh, miss a lot less games. And the guys at the top that Devonte Adams, the Michael Thomas, the Julio Jones, these guys are guys that play majority, if not all the year that continue like, okay, maybe he produced a wide receiver seven season instead of the top three drafted in that. Uh, you're getting basically your investment where there's a lot of risk you're investing in. So especially if it's not McCaffrey, uh, that aren't returning that top 10 upside. So um, there's a lot of value to be had at the running back position. It, it may be a little more scary. It may be not what you're looking for. So, um, But I, I think there's a lot of names. And even if you don't do zero RB, I think these running backs – make sense as potential lottery tickets as you get later into your draft um, that could help provide some balance. So when those injuries hit, uh, you have ways to learn, to, to turn. So, um, you know, is everybody does zero RB a little different? I think round six, round eight is really kind of the the sweet spot for for when you want to start targeting them. The more, obviously, the later you can wait. Uh, if there's names there that you like, uh, the better you're going to be. Um, but let's dive into some names that, that we both like. And uh, let's start in Minnesota, where Alexander Madison, I think, is the perfect uh, zero R- RB target. Not only, not only, you know, have we had to deal with um, the Dalvin Cook, will he, won't he hold out? Like, I'm kind of under the, I'm working under the impression that we don't see him hold out. Uh but this is a guy that has played four games in his rookie year, 11 games in his second year, and 14 games last year. So this is, he's already missed time as a, as a starter, uh, missed snaps. And Alexander Madison showed last year that he could step in, he could fill that role. And Brian, as we talked about with his Vikings team, even if Dalvin's there, they like to run the ball. Stefan Diggs is gone. Obviously, Justin Jefferson will step in and kind of take some of that. Irv Smith will step in and take some of that. But this is going to be a team that leaves, leans heavily on its run game. Uh, and in a Gary Kubiak offense, running backs feast. Uh, so if not Dalvin Cook, who a lot of people are comfortable taking in round one, myself included, uh, if you want to go that way, uh, Madison makes a great option because as soon as Dalvin Cook's down, Madison's an RB1 the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, it, we're talking about the same offense that we all thought Mike Boone was going to win people fantasy championships last year. So 
I mean, and that was the third option in this backfield. So Alexander yeah. Madison, we saw him last year. He he averaged a nice four four point six yards per carry. He had he only he only toted the rock a hundred times, but you know that was playing second fiddle to Dalvin Cook early on in the season where he wasn't getting as much love. As we've reached the latter part of the year, when Dalvin Cook was you know starting to get banged up a little bit, Madison started to see a lot more a lot more action in the game. And like you said, if Dalvin Cook were to go down, he's gonna Madison steps into a top ten role for the at the position for a guy that you're getting, you know way down the list as running backs and it, in a zero RB scenario, you're looking for guys who have a, you know, a decent, like a weekly floor of something, something decent, like high, high single digits with the potential of scoring a touchdown, getting you double digits, but with the ceiling of a RB one and yep. Madison is that guy to a T. And obviously depending on the format, you might go a little different. Like if it's a more of a PPR, you might want that weekly floor. Um, and especially early, you want guys that are going to get those catches. But you also want to stock your bench with guys like Madison, so that way if he becomes the guy, you have that upside every single week. So there, there's a few guys we're going to talk about, you know, it, that are going to be kind of, you, depending on the format and where you're kind of targeting, you'll, you'll want to adjust. But I think Madison's a guy that d- despite the format, despite how you're going to approach drafts, um, should be a guy that you draft no matter what. Yeah. He, he's a guy that I'll probably be targeting at the, you know, in the middle parts of my dress for sure. Yeah. And is a barely inside the top hundred at, at running back. I'm scooping up that value all day long. Yeah. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Uh, let's go to Buffalo. Let's talk uh, a guy that a lot of people are hyping up. Um, and that's Zach Moss. Obviously during his time at Utah flashed uh, some skills showed the ability to be a ball carrier, um, be an effective ball carrier. Uh, but I guess sell me on Zach Moss because I'm, I'm not there. You know, one of the, one of the things that kind of excites me about Zach Moss is the role that he's stepping into. I mean, kind of like the way we talked about Brandon cooks stepping into this wide receiver one role. Zach Moss isn't, isn't necessarily jumping into being the lead the lead back in an offense, but he's stepping into a role which saw the same amount of carries, basically 50-50 playing time between Frank Gore and Devin Singletary. Frank Gore is an old man. I mean, no, nothing against Frank Gore and his longevity in the NFL and his, his career and what he's been able to do, but there is no way possible that Zach Moss is less of a runner right now at this stage of their career than Frank Gore. So to me, you're getting an upgraded Frank Gore in an offense that saw Gore see over 150 carries for a Buffalo team who ranked, I think, in the top six in rush attempts. They were eighth in rushing yards, but they only they were in the bottom half of the league in rushing touchdowns, which to me, that's going to correct itself for the better. And if they're going to be top 10 in both rush attempts and rushing yards with seeing a similar split, or even a less split of a 60-40 between Moss and Singletary, and then probably trying to protect Josh Allen a little bit more. Um, you know, we're looking at a guy who could approach five to seven touchdowns in his rookie season, playing that that one A role to or that one B role to a Devin Singletary. Yeah, see, but here's here's where I'm at. Starting week nine, uh, Singletary saw 15 or more touches, basically, or I guess 14 or more. Um, 
was that's when he kind of took over as that lead dog role. Um, and outside of week, uh, what week Frank Gore 10. ran out of gas. Well, Frank Gore's old, and they realized <laughs> Devin, they realized Devin Singletary is the feature back in this offense, though. And then, if you want to talk about around the goal line, like Josh Allen is a guy that's like if you're projecting him to go from a guy that gets a lot of carries around the goal line to a guy that doesn't get any, uh, then I could see your Zach Moss height. Maybe he gets a little more work there. But then you're think, you're, but then you have to pull back on the Josh Allen love and assume that he's not going to be the guy that, in, in terms of a fantasy option, that we want to use. So I, I don't get it. Like he, I, I think he, I think he's a little too plotty for me. I get the, yeah, he's stepping into Frank Gore's role. Yeah, he's better than Frank Gore, uh, but is he? Is he really yeah. better than Frank Gore? I'm like just- Frank, <laughs> Hall of Fame yeah. running back Frank Gore. I'm just looking at it from the perspective of as a zero RB target, he's he's more than likely to see double digit touches out of the backfield for a team that is top yeah. ten in the NFL in rushing. I think he's getting five cut touches if, if Singletary goes down. Like, yeah, but I I, I, I could see it. But if we're looking at where he's coming off of the board, like let me let me find his ADP because I feel like it's a lot higher than. Um, than well, before you find that information, currently Zach Moss is going 70 picks after Devin Singletary. Yeah, as he should, because he's clearly the backup. Uh, he's going around on Johnson, who I'd rather have. Philip Lindsay, I don't know what to do with Denver. Like, I want Philip Lindsay to be a thing, but I think Denver doesn't want that. So that's not, I don't know if I'm going there. A guy we're going to talk about uh, next is going right there. Your boy, Tony Pollard. Like, if you're telling me at the end of the season which running back do I think has I guess it's Zach Moss, but like if Zeke goes down, Tony Pollard steps into that role and I feel better about his weekly usage out as a pass catcher, out as uh, a guy who spells and then you know we'll, we'll talk some PPR options, but guys like Duke Johnson, Boston Scott, uh, I think I might go that way. So I I, I don't know. I just I, I don't think he's very good. I don't know that he's going to get the workload he needs unless unless Singletary goes down and as a second year back. I, I really can't project that. Yeah, I'm looking at it too. Both Singletary and Zach Moss were third round selections. So to think that Devin Singletary is that much better than Zach Moss, mm. I just don't see that. Yeah, I'd rather have Tevin Coleman, I'd rather have Sonny Michelle, I'd rather have Matt Burita. It's wild, but here we are. Uh, let's talk about the guy that I would rather have the most. Um, and that's Latavius Murray. Um, I'm not really sure what's going on with his ADP. Um, this is a guy that was going several rounds earlier last year, uh, had 150 basically kept target or uh, carries over 600 yards, found the end zone five times. Average 4.4 yards a carry, going to get work around their goal line. Uh, if Alvin Kamara goes down, you have a legit RB1 with a much safer floor than any of the guys we've mentioned. Um, and yet he's going three, four, five rounds later. Uh, people don't like him. They think I don't know if they think he's old or just not sexy or what it is, but I, Latavius Murray is like a guy that I'm targeting in every draft. Um, and come season's end, I'm going to be so happy that I have him on my rosters. Yeah, 
I'm also just as baffled as you are at why Latavius Murray's ADP keeps dropping when he's he's penned in, he's markered in for, you know, 8 to 12 carries a game more than likely with this offense as the Saints have proven that they do not want to give Alvin Kamara the bulk of the of the rushing attempts as they're going to continue to use him as like a scat back. Still, yeah. he's, he's still the prime guy, but they're not going to let him get beat up in between the tackles, and they're going to use Murray for that. And we saw them last year down by the goal line. They went more to that heavy package with Taysom Hill back there, which lends to even more attempts for Murray uh, on the field with the potential of them lining up with a Hill-Murray-Kamara trio back there. Um, yeah, I just don't understand the drop and hit, and he's another guy. Like, I, it, I will be – I will be probably sniping him a round or two earlier than other people, just yep. knowing what we're getting on a weekly basis and the potential that he could bring back. Totally, totally agree. Uh, I will try and get as much of him as possible. Um, and he just he's a perfect option where if you go zero RB and you and you draft him late, you can play him week one and week two and he won't kill you. Um, and then, you know, has the potential to – go way beyond that if Kamara wears down or if this offense is just awesome like we think it can be and is Michael Thomas is going to get his work and I think Manuel Sanders will be involved in Jared Cook and stuff but I think there's plenty to go around especially when they get around the goal line uh, for Latavius Murray to be 700 yards six or seven touchdowns and reward owners that used him all, all season long yeah for sure uh, let's shift our focus a little bit and talk some non-PPR formats, because obviously, is it easier in PPR? Sure, because we're going to give you some names that make a lot of sense in PPR formats. They're going to give you that weekly catching floor. Uh, but there's also names that I think can be useful in non-PPR. Uh, obviously, they're going to be a lot more touchdown dependent, but if they can score 10 touchdowns, 8 touchdowns, you know, they're going to reward you most weeks and for where you're going to have to pull the trigger on them. Um, like the, the upside is there for, for their price tag. So I'll let you go first and, and give me the name that you put down in non PPR. Uh, Cause it's not sexy. It's not fun. Uh, but it definitely has the potential to, to pay uh, big dividends. And this is a guy that I've hated on for a while now, but I'm going down to South Beach to look for some talents. And Jordan Howard, I mean, if you're looking for that late round non-PPR option, I think he's a guy who's he's stepping into a role that saw, you know, the running back not even be existent in this offense last year as Ryan Fitzpatrick was the leading rusher for the Dolphins. But yeah. they made some additions on the offensive line. They dra- Two of their first four picks were, were offensive linemen to protect their – their franchise guy and Tua Tungavailoa. I think the big thing for them, though, this season is going to be the fact that their defense is going to be much improved. And it shows last year they were, I believe, the 32nd ranked scoring defense in the NFL, which is why we saw guys like Devontae Parker, Mike Kosicki, you know, just show out with the amount of time that they had to throw the ball playing from multiple scores down. I think we see them play in a lot tighter games early on, which is going to lend more to the kind of style that Jordan Howard fills, which is big bruising back. And not to forget, Brian Flores, he comes from that Patriot mentality and that Patriot scheme where 
they like to pound the rock early on in games and to stay in the games, keep them close, because yeah. the whole thing is about winning. It's not about stats. So if we see them even improve, you know, 10 spots in offense as they were the 25th scoring offense, he's a guy who's going to be the lead back for an NFL team that you're getting behind second and even sometimes third options. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess my only pushback would be I think Matt Breida is a good player. Oh, I agree. And they obviously brought him in to provide some competition. Now, like you mentioned, they they could use a couple different pieces and kind of rotate them. And when they get around the goal line, use uh, Jordan Howard as their premier uh, touchdown machine. So if that's the case, even if they're splitting work kind of in between the 20s, if he's getting getting the volume down there, that's going to be really important. Um, and I'm really curious to see kind of what they do at quarterback. Like, I think giving Tua a year to fully recover from the hip injury, and obviously it depends on where he's at with that hip. If the hip's fine and they want to start him, then, you know, throw him out there. I, I totally get that. But um, I think it's definitely worth a look. I think both guys, to be honest, like I would be happy to take a shot or on both of them just because of the – everything's so price-dependent, right? Like we've never been in on Jordan Howard because of where he typically goes. But as he got away from Chicago, as he got away from Philly, his ADP just continued to, to dwindle. So if you're telling me I can get him as like a, a hunt round pick a hundred, like I like him more. If I'm talking like 50 or 60, like I don't I don't want to target him there. So it's it's everything's all cost based. Um so I I I totally get it. And like in non-PPR leagues, I'm taking uh, Latavius Murray, I'm taking Jordan Howard, and I'm taking my guy, Sony Michelle. I he's not good. He's slow. He's plotting. But you know what? This is a guy that has basically had 900 plus yards, two straight seasons, six touchdowns, seven touchdowns. And if Cam is the guy that we think he has the potential to be, and if he lives up to that you know, kind of end of his run with Carolina, obviously not the final year, but before then, this could be a thousand yards, eight or nine touchdowns and a huge value. Like Jonathan Stewart's terrible. <laughs> and he was awesome with Cam Newton. Now, if Cam Newton's washed and, and it's Jared Stidham and they can't get the offense going and it's kind of a mess, obviously you're going to have to move on. But where you're drafting him, where you could potentially add him to your roster, uh, I think there's a ton of upside and a ton of potential with a minimal investment. If you were to tell me at the end of the 2020 season that you know the majority of teams that made it to the championship game or were in or won the fantasy football championship rostered Latavius Murray, Jordan Howard, and Sony Michelle, I honestly would not be surprised. Because those that's two starting running backs and a guy with the potential to be a starting running back. Um, if you would have told me last year that in 2020 I'd be excited about Sony Michelle and Brandon <laughs> Cook, I would have probably just like quit the podcast right there. <laughs> we would have can- canceled the season. No more. Done. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good part. But, but here we are. It's 2020, and I'm excited about Sony Michelle and Brandon Cooks. It's a wild. Dude, wild. I, I, it's funny because Sony Michelle, I, I was so excited to draft him. We did a best ball draft, you and I, and we, we talked about it on previous podcasts. Uh, and it, for that same reason, just, this is even before Cam Newton had signed there. Mm-hmm. Um, I just liked him as being a lead back and, you know, still under Bill Belichick. They're going to want to run the ball consistently. And then 
um, now with the addition of Cam Newton, like you said, he led Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams both to top 20 seasons, you know, on yep. consecutive years. It, if he's any sort of the same can that we've seen where they run that kind of op, read option type offense, he, we're going to see probably potential 1,100, 1,200 yard year for Sony Michelle seeing 20 to 25 carries a game. And, yep. you know, it, getting getting that potential at pick 100, you know, that's yep. that's what we're looking for here in, in zero RB. Absolutely. And, and, and in general, like, obviously you want pieces from – high scoring, high production offenses, but if offenses are going to be bad and there's going to be questionable quarterback play and they're going to be giving a lot of volume to running backs, that's going to be just as important. It's like we saw last year, Joe Mixon was awesome despite being in a terrible offense that can't produce yards because he was getting so much volume. Volume is key at running back. And if it's productive volume inside the goal line, or if it's Lots of handoffs on a crappy offense just because he's getting volume. It's going to get you fantasy points. You just got to ride the wave and, and enjoy it. Uh, to, that, to that point, I just want to remind everyone that we were excited about Patrick Laird. And he rewarded the people that used him in a couple weeks. Obviously, was you know the, the praise the Laird it, it has kind of gone by the wayside. But, but still, uh, like you said, we are. volume is key. Absolutely. Uh, let's switch our focus though and talk some PPR because this is obviously where the where the where this drafting style like if you the the optimal area for a zero RB style draft is a is like an uh, a run, like an offense or I mean a, a a league where you start for your receivers full PPR like that's ideally what you get like on national and an FFC uh, or or a league like that. Um, so if we were looking at PPR formats, who are some options that you think could provide value, could provide a safe weekly form PPR and uh, potentially, uh, you know, add some upside? Though one of the guys that I looked at who, uh, you know, I've, I've rostered him once in my life and I'm very disappointed in that, but that's Tariq Cohen. He, mm. he saw over a hundred targets last year. He, he's not much out, out of the backfield running the ball. And I do think that we're going to see a little bit of a more efficient and better David Montgomery this year, especially if they transition into Nick Foles playing offense. But even with Montgomery being more involved uh, on the ground, if they were to go to Nick Foles, I think that it just increases the value of Tariq Cohen out of the backfield because they're likely to play that shotgun where it's less likely an option style game with Trubisky running around there back there like a chicken with his head cut off. Um, He was second to Montgomery. He still saw 64 carries last year, which we're probably going to see a similar number. I don't see him getting very more than that. But they were the Bears, the thing to me I'm looking at, they were third to last in the NFL in scoring. That's got to that's got to improve, right? I mean, I'm looking I mean, at positive regression, which to we're me talking, means we're talking more about opportunities. We're talking about a potentially Mitchell Trubisky-led offense, so <laughs> we'll see. But I'm with you in terms of I think – it, he should give you a safe floor. Obviously, last season was kind of a, uh, a disappointment from the season before, but now you're getting him at a much better price tag. Like, I, I love Anthony Miller. I think there's potential there. Obviously, Allen Robinson's the wide receiver yes. one and one player. But beyond him, like Riley Ridley is somebody that people are trying to talk themselves into. Uh, they have Cole Komet. They brought in Jimmy Graham, who's terrible and old. Uh, <laughs> That's like, a joke. There, there's, not, there's not a lot there. So if 
they're going to be used. You, I could see scenarios where Cohen is in different spots and David Montgomery's still in the game. Like they could, they could kind of mix and match and do some different things. So yeah, I think in a PPR format, I think he makes a ton of sense, especially if he sees those 90 to hundred targets. Yeah. I, he, he just to, on those targets, he's, he had 79 receptions last year. So, I mean, you're looking at a poor man's wide receiver playing running back right. who in a PPR, if it's full PPR, I mean, those are, those are valuable points. And those are guys, and he's a perfect guy to start the season with, with some of the Alexander Madisons and Zach Mosses and guys that have more potential upside sitting on your bench. And then when they're ready to pop, that's when you make the swap. Yep. The uh, another guy that I want to discuss in PPR formats is Boston Scott, and I love Miles Sanders. Like Miles Sanders is my dude. Uh, I've been on him since last year. I said he would be a first round talent this year. Uh, look where he's going. Borderline first round. Let's go. Uh, that being said, if you look, Boston Scott is going to be involved in this offense. Doug Peterson likes to mix and match. As, as frustrating as it is going to be for all of us <sighs> fans, all of us that want to take Miles Sanders and want him just to go off because he has the cha- ability to be the number one running back at fantasy. Uh, but Boston Scott, look at his last four games. He had six, seven, six, and six targets. So 25 targets over his last four games. Um, you know, six, seven, six, and four catches. Uh, you know, had has the ability to be involved when they get around the goal line. Uh, has the ability to drive fantasy owners crazy that own Miles Sanders. Um, and, <laughs> that was you know, me last year. And outside of uh, outside of Ertz and Goddard, like you don't feel good about any of the receivers. Like I love Jalen Rager. I think he's going to be awesome. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey's probably going to start on the PUP. They they went and got Marquise Goodwin. There's not a lot there. Uh, so this is another offense where they could use Sanders and Scott and still and both of them could produce. Um, and have a have a really solid fantasy season. Yeah, you know, I, I like Boston Scott's uh, potential, especially if we're going zero RB. He's like, again, he's the perfect fit for that kind of draft strategy. I'm just terrified of Doug Peterson as a guy who was talking up Miles Sanders last year, just like you. It was extremely frustrating to see them continue to give the ball to a guy who I just talked about, talked up in Miami, Pig Howard, when you had a guy as explosive as Miles Sanders seeing, you know, minimal touches, um, it it just worries me that we're going to see, again, like a full rotation in that backfield, which isn't bad in this zero RB. So in that case, like, I like your call with Boston Scott. I just cannot stand the way Peterson manages his backfields. Yeah, but we're talking Boston Scott in, like, the 11th or 12th round. That That's tremendous value. I, I, I'm going to have a hard time not pulling the trigger like chase Edmonds is another guy that i think could have value as a pass catcher in arizona um and then there's one other guy that i want to talk about the guy is antonio gibson um washington football team as they're now called uh it is going to obviously they have various guys who people are getting trying to get excited about guy that we haven't really been able to see live up to his full potential adrian peterson's still there um, but Gibson has the ability to be different than a lot of the guys in that backfield. And I think he could be a unique piece that helps kind of find different ways to attack. And obviously this is going to be an offense that 
that needs the help they can get. So if you can get Gibson, you know, five to seven targets a game, whether it's, you know, he, he was a college receiver. He's going to play more running back in the NFL, um, kind of be a versatile guy. And like worst case scenario is a hand, he's a Boston Scott clone. Best case scenario, he's like David Johnson. Yeah, so, I, I love that call. I mean, it, Washington is devoid of talents on the outside uh, other than Terry McLaurin. I mean, they're going to be relying on um, Gandy Golden, another rookie, yeah. as probably their potentially their second wide receiver. And then you have a backfield with Darius Geis, who you said is extremely talented, but he hasn't seen the field. And old man Adrian Peterson, who I love, but I mean he's another guy. You know he's running on extremely wearing tires. But, so Gibson could could invigorate this offense and add like some sort of excitement there. So he's another guy really late in drafts that should be targeted. Yeah, especially if we expect this team to be bad, like we think they will be. They're going to have to throw. They're going to be down. They're going to have to do a lot. Uh, so if he can be useful, especially. The key for him is to be able to show, be able to show the ability to block, pass block. Uh, but where you're drafting him, you're not going to have to play him early. And if he explodes and he looks great, then you really roll. And uh, if it looks like he's going to be a mess block, pass blocking or this offense is just going to be a train wreck and not able to get first downs, um, then you he's one of your first cuts when you're attacking the waiver wire anyway. So no harm, no foul, and on to the next one. But uh, I think he's an interesting name to at least keep penciled in and and in late in uh, PPR leagues. Uh, definitely, definitely strike while the while the iron's hot. Yeah, you know, uh, real quick before we get out of here, one more guy I wanted to mention that's that's right around Gibson is going to your team, the Tennessee Titans, and Darrington Evans. He he's a guy who, if you could get him, you know, with your second to last pick or your your last pick in the draft. You're looking at a potential league winner yep. if Derrick Henry were to go down. So he's I love Barrington Evans. If you go back and listen to our post draft pod with with Jared Smola, um, I, I'm all about Darrington Evans. I said he was going to be like a second round pick for me. Uh, I, I think he has all the potential in the world. Uh, obviously, they paid Derrick Henry a lot of money, uh, so he's going to get his workload. That being said. Uh, there is opportunity as a pass catcher, as uh, a complementary supplementary piece. I think there's, I think there's options uh, for him to go off. So I don't hate it. And like, like you said, where you're drafting him, if he's your last pick or second to last, especially, especially now that Henry got the deal, it seems like the 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 shine has come off a little bit on him. So he's gonna be like one of the first, one of the last guys that people are drafting. People are like, oh, he's not gonna play. It's fine. Draft him, hold him on your bench, hold him for a couple weeks, see what he does, see what, how he's involved in this offense. Obviously, exactly you know, shorter preseason isn't great for him, uh, but I do think there's opportunity for him to, to be productive and, and to be somebody that's really interesting. And if nothing else, keep him on a watch list, and if he pops, then he's one of your first ads, and if not, then you know, on to the next one. But um, I think this was good. We hit, we hit on a few names. If you have a zero RB target, a guy going in, say, round eight or later, hit us up in the uh, in the comments. Let us know. Um, if you want to see some guys that Brian and I kind of debated, like, are we drafting him, like A.J. Green or Brandon Cooks or Raheem Mostert, uh, check out the other pod. Uh, and then always check out, you know, our YouTube is full of 
fantasy videos. We did talk Matt Harmon. We talked Jared Smola. Uh, hit the subscribe so you know when we post new stuff. Uh, if you're listening on iTunes or Stitcher, please give us a five-star review and leave a little comment. Uh, it really does a lot to help us. Uh, but for Brian Twining, I'm Kyle Robert. We'll talk to you guys next time.